Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Housing and our homelessness crisis is very much the order of the day today and we are going to in a couple of minutes uh, be talking about a protest or not a couple of minutes later on in the programme talking about a protest march that's going to be held in Cork tomorrow to highlight the housing crisis and of course all of the papers are picking up on the fact that the government did manage to scrape through a dull vote of no confidence in the housing minister Owen Murphy last night and they did that with the support of a handful of independent TDs the opposition TDs scathing in their criticism of Fine Gael's record on tackling the homeless crisis. This was uh, when homeless figures have just come out showing that they've topped 10,000 500 for the first time and the home, the, the number of homeless people in the state increased by 117 people bringing this record high figure of 10,514 people living in emergency accommodation. Now buried in the figures little bit of good news not a lot but the October figures showing a decrease of 47 children in emergency accommodation. I just hate to see and hear of any child forced to sleep in a hotel room or in a B&B room. It's just not right. The number of homeless children in emergency accommodation is recorded at 3,826. So you can be guaranteed that those 3,826 children will remain in emergency accommodation for this Christmas. So that's where Santa is going to be finding those little ones this year in a hotel room or in a a B&B. Bernardo's, they're worried about the many families who don't have family supports, who are, they say, emotionally depleted, socially isolated, are facing complex challenges in their lives, such as mental health and addiction. They say families are facing into spending Christmas in emergency accommodation. And sadly, say Bernardo's, we know for many, It won't be their first Christmas. Oh, we can hope and pray for that it will be their last. Uh, Also looking at the homeless figures, the Peter McVeary Trust, which is the National Housing and Homeless Charity, they have warmly welcomed the decline in rough sleepers this winter. Again, that is a little bit of good news. Chief Executive of the Peter McVeary uh, Trust, Pat Doyle, said they were encouraged to see such a significant drop in the official numbers of people sleeping rough. Now they say there's still much more to do. I mean Father Peter McVerry himself they have 92 people. They've recorded 92 people as uh, sleeping rough that would have been in the Dublin uh, area. There's still too many but there has been a decrease. So we're, we're trying to always try and see the positives in any of these figures. But talking of Father Peter McVerry, he wrote an incredible letter 
to the letters page of the Irish Times yesterday that is certainly worth mentioning and he, he wrote, Sir, I attended court with a young homeless boy who was charged with the theft of a bottle of orange, value one euro. Another homeless man was charged with the theft of four bars of chocolate, value three euro. Another homeless man was charged with the theft of two packets of Silcut cigarettes. A TD on his way to and from his full-time well-paid job in Brussels stops by Dáil Éireann to sign in so that he can collect his full 51,000 600 euro expenses for his attendance in the Dáil. And it's signed yours, Father Peter McVeary at the Jesuit Centre for Faith and Justice, Garner Street in Dublin 1. Goodness me, that is such a powerful, powerful letter. And obviously we know Father Peter McVeary is talking about Fina Gale's uh, Dara Murphy, who is uh, under pressure uh, over his decision to work as a campaign director for the Fine Gael's EU grouping for the past two years at the same time that he continued as a TD for Cork North Central while claiming his full doll expenses and uh, allowance. So Dara Murphy has defended the decision to claim the full allowance um, Despite being largely absent from the door for the past two years, he's, in, he's insisting he's entitled to a second job and he's complied with all of the rules. He's claiming he has done absolutely nothing wrong. And now, Darren Murphy also is willing to cooperate with any investigation or any statutory body about his attendance in the doll. And, and so we'll, we'll await to see what comes out of that. But the, but the Taoiseach yesterday as a direct result of the questioning he's getting on Darren Murphy, said that the Dáil's expenses regime, this is the Taoiseach saying, is far too lax and he says it needs to be overhauled. Leo Varadkar said the current system was essentially designed for politicians by politicians and he said that needs to change in the next Dáil and so say all of us. Uh, and, and he is right. I mean, if you put a system in place for politicians, then it shouldn't be designed by, by politicians. Wouldn't we all? I mean, isn't that within our human nature? If we were all allowed to design, say, whatever job you were in, you had a, an expense account and the boss said to you, you can design your own expense account any way that suits you. Of course, everyone's going to be overly generous to themselves. So I think that's therein lies the problem. I mean, Dara Murphy is saying he's done nothing wrong, you know, so if he's done nothing wrong, he feels he's entitled to this this money that he got. What is it? €51,600. So, and if he hasn't done anything wrong, then the Taoiseach is right. We do need to change the rules. But well done to Father Peter McVeary to that letter that got published in the Irish Times yesterday. Powerful letter with a powerful message. Now, coming up on the programme this morning, we will uh, look at that march, talk about that march that's going to happen in Cork City tomorrow to highlight the ho- housing problem. We're also going to hear from a bingo operator concerned about the new gambling legislation that's due, I think it's due today, isn't it? It's due before the doll today. And they were protesting yesterday outside Leinster House, made all of the news bulletins. I saw it yesterday. It seemed like a great bit of fun at times when they were out playing bingo. I saw Michael, it was a Michael, Deputy Michael Healy Ray was call, calling the numbers at the bingo at one stage. But there was a number of them protesting. But it's this whole, the worry about anything that could affect bingo halls and if bingo halls were to close. I mean, yesterday we joined one of our listeners talking about how important the bingo is to the running of community halls, the money that's generated at these bingos, the profit, any profits that may goes into 
to community centres and community halls and without them we could lose we could lose those community centres as well and then I'm constantly on about when I hear, hear about bingo the social aspect of it it is really really important there is people who ha- who live alone and their only social outlet is to go to the bingo. These are people who are not interested in going to the pub. They're not interested in going dancing. They're not interested in going to the theatre and they love the bingo. They might go a couple of nights a week. They might only go one night a week, but it gets them out of the house because all too often we're hearing about social isolation and the effect that social isolation can have on people. It leads to all kinds of problems. It leads to mental health uh, issues and social isolation can and does lead to loss of life through suicide. So anything that we can do to encourage people to dress up with the glad rags on if you want, but get out there and meet people. And if, if it's bingo is your thing, then let's support bingo and make sure that bingo is in operation locally so that everybody can go along. And actually one person sums it up, I think, really well, saying, uh, good morning, Patricia. My mum is 85 years old. She goes to bingo three nights a week. She looks, she so looks forward to her trips to the bingo. As she has three daughters, we each take her a night each. She enjoys meeting up with her friends and having a laugh. And also we get a night each to spend with our mum. It's not about the winning it's uh, about the social side of it for us as well. Doesn't that sound absolutely fabulous? And you're building wonderful memories with your mother and you're getting a chance. You know, you're guaranteed one night a week you're going to have me time with your mum at 85 years of age and there will be a lot of people envious of you in a nice way that you still have your mum around and that you can do that and each of you take her out to the bingo. That sounds absolutely terrific and there will be so many more people like that listener's mum who just enjoys three nights out at the bingo and absolutely lives for it and gets to meet her friends. Uh, well done and long, long uh, may that continue. 1850 333 103 and listener says our bingo is safe in Bantir. Thank God, uh, Patricia says a listener that is good to hear anyway we'll hear about the bingo on the programme today uh, we're also going to hear from former junior minister for Cork East Fianna Fáil's Ned O'Keefe Ned O'Keefe made and claims this week it was at the ICMSA AGM that was held in Limerick that some dairy farmers are killing bull calves with lump hammers and he joins us to tell us more about this uh, story. We will be going to the Gwaleskull in Clonakilty. This is lovely. This is a kind of... Uh, no, yesterday we had Drumahal National School talking about what they are doing this Christmas instead of giving presents to the teacher. Uh, they're looking after needy people and it's making the children very socially aware of what's going on. You know, these are very lucky, happy, blessed children who live in very happy families, you know, and they'll have a wonderful Christmas this year. But it's making them in the school socially aware that everyone isn't as lucky as they are. And there are children who are in homeless accommodation and there are people that are sleeping rough on the streets and there are people that are going hungry because they can't afford a lot of food. And I think if we can instill that social awareness and that sense of kindness and empathy and compassion, if we can instill that in children in primary school children and they carry it through into secondary school and then they'll carry it with them into adult life. You know, what wonderful adults they will turn out to be if they have that kind of grounding and that sense of justice and that sense of 
offering that hand of kindness to somebody else at a young age. I think it's terrific. I really do think it's terrific. And I, I, I commended yesterday the Parents Association at Drumahan and the teachers and everybody involved for what they're doing. And the same now can be said about the Gwaleskull in Clonakilty. They have a wonderful initiative. Instead of homework for the month of December, the children have to do an act of kindness. Now, they give them suggestions as to what they're to do every night. And I just think this is this is a lovely, lovely idea. And I'm sure the children are jumping at the idea of getting out of homework. And I imagine that there will be a lot of parents in other schools who would like the idea of their schools taking on this and their child coming home to say, guess what, ma? I'll have to do any homework for the month of December. Instead, I have to do an act of kindness every evening because homework can be a bugbear in so many households. And instead, you're going to have your, your lovely little one home with you, trying to come up with some way to do something kind. I think it's terrific. So we'll speak with Gwale Scott in Clannacilty today. Just to let you know, yesterday we had Buddy the taxi driver from Bantry who was gone fishing for the day. He had no choice because his phone wasn't working. Vodafone customer and the Vodafone had been out since the day before and he was really annoyed about it and we were on to Vodafone who said that they were looking into it and they'd send out engineers and we were hoping something would get sorted sooner rather than later. Well, I can tell you that Vodafone coverage has returned to Bantry and I'm assuming Buddy the Taxi Man is out working this morning. Good morning to you if you're listening to us, Buddy. Uh, Yesterday afternoon they got it back up and running. The engineers sorted out what the problem was and it was fully restored yesterday afternoon. So thank you for that. On housing and on the vote of no confidence that passed yesterday, was the vote of um, the vote of no confidence. The government won the vote of no confidence. (laughs) Made it look like Owen, Owen Murphy was gone there. Uh, Alan and Glamour said, I watched the all proceedings last night. They spent two hours basically bitching at one another, giving out about Owen Murphy. And then after the vote was over, they left the chamber. That two hours could have been used for so much other reasons. For example, they could have looked at how we can build houses or changing the rules so workers can actually get a mortgage. But no, they just wasted hours fighting. Um, they're putting their own egos first. I'm disgusted with our system and that's unfortunately the way our doll system works when there's a vote like that. You've got he said, she said over and back, over and back and everyone has their script and they'll get up and everybody has to have their two minutes or three minutes or whatever it is that unfortunately is the system we have in place. And John O'Donovan from the city was on to say, I'm surprised at this because I thought he would have been he's a great man to get out and march and protest he said I won't be attending that march tomorrow as I feel it's a waste of time Oh, okay. I feel it's time to target the politicians also he said watching the Tonight Show on Virgin Media 1 last night they had the Minister Owen Murphy on but previous to that they had Father Peter McVerry on John was very disappointed that they didn't allow Father Peter McVerry and the Minister Owen Murphy on and let them have a debate about the housing whereas they brought the minister on on his own. I am assuming that's the only way they would have got the housing minister, Owen Murphy, onto the programme. He probably would have insisted that if you want me on, you bring me on in a one-on-one. I'm not going to have a public spat with anybody else. I'm assuming that that's what would have happened because certainly Father Peter McVerry would have been up to have a discussion with Minister Murphy. John spent a lot of time watching TV last night because he was also watching Prime Time, and he said at the end of Prime Time they announced the vote from the doll and as the credits rolled, you know the way the credits rolled, you'll see Miriam walking back 
towards, you know, she'll turn her back and she'll walk to the back of the set where, you know, David McCullough or whoever she's presenting with is sitting down. Anyway, John, eagle-eyed John spotted as Miriam was walking back to her seat. She gave a thumbs up to David, the other presenter. John felt it looked like she was endorsing the vote. Now, we have no way of knowing what Miriam O'Callaghan was thinking. And I don't know if it's on Twitter. She's quite a prolific uh, Twitter user whether she got picked up on it and she's given her explanation for it but John Paul made a really good point that when he saw her do the thumbs up sign he reckoned what she was saying to David McCullough was thank God we don't have a general election this side of Christmas or before Christmas because there was talks if the government fell last night over this no confidence vote we technically could have had a general election on Christmas Eve. Not that anybody could have called that or would have wanted that. But a lot of the political journalists certainly have been talking over the last few days saying we do not want an election this side of Christmas because it would mean all of the political journalists would then be working. They obviously all have time off at the moment but they would be working if a general election was called. So it could be that that's what Miriam was saying to David when the government didn't fall last night. It was like, thumbs up, happy days, we can have Christmas off. But we've no way of knowing. 1850 John Paul taking your course. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. Egg foil mach quid den anihe is farlin. Shot eight thrower C103 air kirkig. Ha aglish nev padrags pol air hraj foil el lor na kaharach. Ha call air naglish at hogos of yen ocht giat se shaskashe. Marial air gach at ha irn devishtig. On dara gatach agazun rinne rate untach. Binche goni mask na multidos na rodias farledi on a vagurkig air trip advisor. Agas is minik gun enter kershiser. Mar oat huenach. On hiadur elegmetu lor na kaharach. Terhofada les al pel nev padr agas pol. Nukta quid denaniha is fari gurkig. C103. My favourite thing about Glow is going into Bishop Lucy Park and then afterwards going out to get a hot chocolate in the market. Cork at Christmas is amazing. I love going to the markets and everything. Crepes and mini donuts and then heading on to the Ferris wheel. Join C103 for the return of Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade every weekend until December 22nd. Take a family trip to town and explore Bishop Lucy Park magically lit by Doucher puppets and transformed into a Christmas wonderland where Santa is bringing the National Elf Test Centre. Take in the beautiful city views from the Ferris wheel. The Ferris wheel indulge at the food markets and enjoy festive entertainment tis the season to visit Glow at the Grand Parade presented by Cork City Council The Echo and C103 Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend, the weekend. by turning up the feel good C103's Feel Good Friday brings you six hours of Feel Good Greatest Hits. Join Nick Richards from One and Martina O'Donoghue from Four as we get you weekend ready. Weekend ready. Tur- 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 turning up the Feel Good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from One. Feel Good Friday, only on C103. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. 
Actually, somebody on talking about TDs being in the doll. A listener says, Patricia, watching Question Time in doll, Aaron, it's really interesting, but also very surprising to see how many TDs are actually present at any one time. They should all be made to claim their expenses if they spend a specified number of hours actually occupying their uh, seats. If you look at the any of the doll when it's on TV, there can be there can be a handful there can be no one I, I can't think of who somebody was giving a speech uh, one day I think it was one of the Cork TDs and there was no one in the chamber at all because he actually referenced that he was talking to himself but it was important that he did it because they went into the doll record but nobody there to hear him at all 1850 Now as we heard yesterday a protest was held outside Leinster House by a group called Save Our Bingo who are concerned that the new legislation to modernise gambling laws could see the closure of some bingo halls. Joining me from the group Save Our Bingo is Philip Purcell, who is with the Rock Bingo in Toker. Good morning to you, Philip. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well and, and you're welcome. What is it about this new legislation that concerns you so much? Uh, so the new legislation proposed by the Minister is um, uh, 50% prize money uh, 25% to charity and 25% to cover your overheads and your running costs. Uh, now, the issue with that, um, I suppose the biggest concern is, at the moment, Bingo pays out anything between 75 to 90% of your total takings, um, with different various jackpots and um, whatnot. But if you are to change that to 50% of your total takings, it's uh, very much 50% of what you take in on the night. So you're kind of telling people, okay, so before you even start your bingo tonight, you're going to get 50% of your money back um, as you're walking in the door, you know. And are patrons telling you that if the prize funds drops drop, then they're going to stop going? Absolutely. That's the natural, uh, that would be the natural course. Uh, so if prize money goes down, your numbers uh, drop. Um, now, there's a big, there's a big, big, big social element uh, in bingo as well. Um, and which would be the main thing. We're kind of a, a huge uh, community uh, focus uh, and a social outlet for people. Uh, but the attraction um, of winning some money is definitely there. And if people are paying the same money um, for much, much, much less uh, prize money, then it, the attraction just isn't there and it'll, it'll kill uh, bingo as we know it. And um, will it affect all bingos, even, you know, the small community ones, you know, the ones that are run in the local community hall? Yes, so it affects absolutely everyone, whether you're, uh, whether you're the, the size of us here in Cork or whether you're in a small uh, GAA club up the country, um, it'll affect any sort of bingo um, up and down the country, uh, no matter how big or small they are, um, with the new proposed legislation. Now, Minister David Stanton, who's responsible for gambling policies, he said he had extensive contact with bingo operators. Were you consulted about this bill? We had zero contact from the minister in anything to do with the legislation change. And from talking to my colleagues in the industry, uh, very few of us, if any, if at all, any of us had uh, contact uh, from him. And I'm surprised at that. Being a Cork-based minister, you would have assumed he'd have gone over the road to somebody, you know. (laughs) That is exactly what you would think, Um, considering we're in Toker in Cork and uh, he's not too far from us. at all, we're in the pretty much just next to the city centre, um, and we've had zero contact with them um, whatsoever. And at the larger operators like yourself, this could affect jobs, couldn't it? There are, there are jobs associated yes, here. So, I mean, uh, I have forty people employed with me in uh, in Toker here in Cork, uh, so the majority of my staff do work in my bingo. 
So 20 of my staff work in uh, the bingo. Um, I have a side business of a restaurant and a side business of a nail bar. Um, now, that's all under the one roof. And if my bingo goes, uh, my other two businesses won't subsidise the, the rent, rates, light and heat. So that's 40 staff out of work, Patricia. Um, wow. And depending on the vote today, uh, how it goes, that's me turning around to my staff tomorrow being uh, t- telling them that this is their last Christmas employed with us. Um, because we just wouldn't be able to operate under the new legislation. Were you at the protest yesterday? I wasn't, unfortunately. I was no. uh, tied to, to Cork trying to, to deal with customers, angry customers, um, at this trying to voice their concerns uh, from down here. Um, I know there's a, there's a petition. There was a petition handed in. There is. There's a Save Our Bingo Facebook page. Uh, so for the, the listeners here today, um, it's on Facebook. Uh, just type in Save Our Bingo. Uh, there's a link on that page. Uh, you can check out our own Facebook page. Any bingo page on Facebook at the moment would have this uh, petition on it. And we are urging people to sign it and get as many signatures as possible uh, before the vote in today um, to get this noticed. And while this, you know, these gambling laws, we do need to modernise. We've we've very old gambling laws and they do need to be updated. But surely an amendment can be put in to yes. cover bingo. I mean, that's that's the simple solution, isn't it? And that's what we're saying. Like, we're not, a, like, we, we do agree that the law needs to be changed. I mean, it's a 1956 Act, so it definitely needs to be updated. Um, but I think a bit more consultation and a bit more thought into the legislation around bingo would definitely be... Um, the, the correct course of action. Um, I don't know if you heard the, the minister making a, a comment saying that uh, charities need to, to make uh, charities need to get more out of the legislation, and that's why he's doing it. And it's a modest approach um, that it was modest changes in the legislation. Uh, while they're quite drastic changes in the legislation, um, uh, Patricia, um, it, 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 it'll affect charities big time. Charities will see a huge drop in revenue because of it, uh, not an increase. Yeah, I, I, because if a bingo closes down, twenty five percent of nothing is nothing. It's it's ridiculous. Exactly. It's it's exactly. and I mean and, and yesterday we had uh, one of our listeners who was talking about the youth centre in Formoy and how one night a week that they they have the bingo and that youth centre is open all you know for all different groups throughout the week, but it's subsidised because of the bingo because of the money they make from the bingo. That's what exactly. keeps the hall going. Exactly. And I know the public accounts chair Sean Fleming the Fianna Fáil TD not, I wasn't aware of this he actually calls the bingo in his local community centre in Castletown in County Leash on the second Sunday of every month he <laughs> says straight away that the proposals will damage those voluntary bingo nights such as the one it he's involved with it will indeed something that, has to change 25% of nothing is nothing um, and like, like there was one particular one that stood out for us uh, yesterday when I heard the comments from the Minister about the charities um, saying that we need to give more to charities and that's why he's doing this uh, so we, our main beneficiary in Cork is the, the Down Syndrome Centre here um, in Forge Hill uh, now the Down Syndrome Centre received no government funding whatsoever and uh, to date this year alone they've gotten over €30,000 from us wow. um, so I mean for the Minister to make sleeping statements like that is quite concerning Um but uh, as a whole, he is uh, going to not just disrupt the bingo industry and uh, I suppose people's uh, social uh, outlets, uh, but he's going to disrupt a lot of charities. And it's the social aspect. It's certainly the point we are hearing from from listeners, Philip. Are, they're constantly saying the only way they go outside the door. We had a woman on talking about her 85-year-old mother. Three nights a week she goes to bingo. Each of her three daughters take a night each to take her there. You know, yeah. and it's just, it's, it's that 85-year-old woman would be at home all the time otherwise. It's, it's, it's very much like that. I have a customer uh, here in Cork, Patricia. Um, she comes in uh, at 6 o'clock every evening uh, we meet her at the door and we walk her down to her seat uh, she <laughs> leaves at 5 past 10 at night 
and she doesn't see anybody else until she comes back in until uh, 6 o'clock the next day. Now, if that woman, uh, who's 86 years of age, uh, was told that there's no bingo, that woman wouldn't see anybody from one end of the week to the next. And you walk her down to the same seat. Is that is that a tradition that people have their own seats? It is, of course. Yeah. Is it? People have, uh, you, see, you find that the, the regulars come in... Uh, earlier in the night to mark their spot it's their lucky spot or their lucky number oh it's, it's to do it's with uh, luck alright yeah, yeah. yeah. you're in my seat oi get out yeah, alright we'll, we'll wait and see what happens today in the That's meantime Philip did. thank you for that Proper and the, that online the online petition is at again Dave Save our bingo. Save our bingo. All right, listen, thank you for that, Philip. And uh, thanks, thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is Philip Purcell, who is with the Rock Bingo in Toker. 1850-333-103. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. Attention Cork businesses. Attention Cork businesses. It's time to bring on the festive feeling. C103 is looking for the best decorated shop window. Show us your Christmas window display. Send a picture to glow at c103.ie and be in with a chance to win an advertising campaign from C103 and Cork's 96FM worth €2,000. We'll get the public to pick their favourite. Pick their favourite. Dress your window to win with Cork City Council and Glow. A Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade with C103. And the bingo issue, Texter says, Patricia, another thing to close down in rural Ireland. This government are closing down rural Ireland slowly but surely. The drink driving laws, no rural transport and now the threat over the local bingo. With the last person leaving for the cities from rural Ireland, please turn off the lights. And that's signed John in Clonakilty to 0862103103. Now at the recent AGM of the ICMSA, uh, former Junior Minister Ned O'Keefe stated that dairy bull calves are being killed with plastic bags and lump hammers by farmers looking to avoid the cost of rearing these unwanted animals. And uh, Dep- Ned O'Keefe, uh, I was going to say Deputy Ned O'Keefe, former Deputy Ned O'Keefe uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Ned. Morning, Patrick, uh, you're, you're welcome. Now, how have you discovered what is happening to these poor well, animals? Uh, first of all, I want to be, uh, point out, I attended a public meeting where there was farmers came in and there were 300 people president made a statement that he went to an acre and there were 400 cows being destructed in the yard or thrown to the yard and they were, he asked the better standing in the yard what happened to calves and the man said a lump hammer look the problem here is that we've, we have a jersey held in the country introduced in the last 10 years which is creating the issue here we've borrowed it from New Zealand and New Zealand has bad welfare, bad welfare policy bad environmental policies and I have been there three times but I've once officially as a minister and twice in my own private capacity so we bring that from New Zealand and we have male Jersey calves, which are becoming a problem for dairy farmers because there is no outlet for them. And they're not tool for beer production, they're not tool for any breeding. Male Jersey calves, let's face it. And I want to make the point here clearly that I'm not scaremongering. I'm telling what farmers are telling me. And I got a call before, before I went on to you all from a farmer stating that it's about time their decision was, was faced up to. And he told me he could name several people. And he said, going to be a major problem in the spring of this year that so many Jersey cows around. Now, that's that side of it. Now, I want to deny that I was headland grabby in Limerick at the meeting. But in, in Limerick meeting was a big public meeting because the Taoiseach was present. And, of course, there was a lot of media presence there. So that gave my, my statement at more of a status than it deserved, maybe. So I want to make the point. So I, want to, I deny that as headland grabby. I've been saying this around, I've been saying several meetings with the last seven or eight months. 
So I'm not stepping. And you, so, and you reckon anecdotally, a lot of farmers are know what's going on, are saying it, but nobody is willing to put their head above the parapet it's like the, you've done. It's up to the issue. And I got a call where I said, now in Killarney yesterday, I couldn't go to Killarney yesterday and I meant to go because I had a meeting called the World Cup. And Killarney at the talisman, Dr. Mike, a uh, French, Parik French, made a statement about the Balmy calves coming on. And he went after no foundation to Marbet rumours about calf welfare. Fair enough. That's his view. That's not the view. He also made a statement of being talked in pubs and at board meetings of the crops. Board meetings of the crops are, have a responsibility to look after their stock and their product. And it's a very responsible job being on a board of a crop today in this time we live in. Because there's huge balance of money involved and production has to be done. And welfare is becoming an issue in the world market. In England, as the uh, Morrisons, we've Danone, we've Nestle's, we've all those people interested in the beef production, interested in milk production, baby food, etc., etc. So welfare is an issue and we have to face up to it. And but what's the solution if we the have too many male Jersey cows? We have to get an outlet for those Jersey bull calves that, uh, uh, in some way or another. Not what they're doing in New Zealand, because that's what they do in New Zealand. What, yes, what do they do in New Zealand? They, 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 they destruct them. At birth? Yes. Okay. Well, I also want to say, in, in Limerick, uh, Dr. Laura Boyle was present, who, who was involved in, I understand, welfare in Park, and this is what she did say. I quote, uh, that uh, Laura Boyle stated that she was worried that annual welfare challenges could be magnified in the spring, and added that bull calves have a higher risk of death and disease. There are, small, there are a small proportion of farmers that do horrendous things. That's what she said now. We all need to up our game. We are on the cusp of change. Patient empathy are needed. And euthanasia programs should be put in place for sick animals that should be discussed and veterinarians beforehand and should be delayed, said Miss Bile. That's what now, don't. So I don't understand where Pauly Flint is coming from. He's come from the so, same okay, yeah, but, but but I think what she's saying there is there are small numbers. You're yes. always going to get a small number. I mean, is I mean, is is that the problem that it's just a rogue element within dairy no, it's not industry? Rogue there's, there's only small numbers are doing See, it. It's not a rogue element. They 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 are introduced here because they have high high fat and high high solids in New Zealand, and we we bring them here. So they have, they have become a bit of an embarrassment to the dairy herd and to our beef herd. Because our dairy herd is the basis, technically the basis of our beef herd. And we always had a dual purpose animal, supplying beef to the world market and supplying milk to the world market. And we have moved, have moved away from that. And we're now having, it was a state meeting in Limerick, a farmer stood up and said, it'll take nine years to breed out the jerseys because they have, they have got into the breed. And I also can say that the Dutch are afraid of our calves because they're bringing a tinge of a, a bit of jersey in them. And they have a very strong veal production in Holland, the only country in the world where we have good veal. And they buy about 200,000 calves or more than that. And it's a big Irish market. And so we have to be careful and we have to face up to it. And there's no point in talking about, we've discussed it in pubs, that is gossip, and we're talking the board means of crops. Board means crops are responsible people. And that's, I've been on the board of a crop. And there are families thinking you're going to board of a crop, you're going to discuss the meat price. It's above and beyond that. It's a way, there's a lot of issues in crops that. But but are you fearful that stories like this will give the dairy industry a bad name? I think that's what well, you I will think, be accused of with the headline bad, grabbing. I think it has got the bad name. I think the bad name is out. I think I'm not the only one. I mean, uh, people people are whispering. People in Limerick were giving out to me for talking. And one man came out and said, I totally agree with what you said, what you said inside. He said, you shouldn't have said it. But he said, a man like you, high profile. 
uh, was going to be picked up anyway. But he said, I agree with you. He said, we have to sort it out. But he was, he was going to sort it out in silence. Yeah, somebody else is making the point of the very fact that Nedra Keefe was shouted down at the meeting when he raised the uh, bull calf welfare issue is disturbing to say the very least the culture of calf death well, is entertained. Uh, you know yourself, I was shouted down many a times. <laughs> and it doesn't stop you, that's, that's for sure. Does the Minister have a role in this? What, yes, what is, have, does the Department have, have a role I, I, in this? Yes, the Minister has a role. The Minister was present but he didn't hear me. But the Minister's aware and, and I want to say that we have very st- strong welfare uh, regulations in this country now, and we have we have a very proactive veterinary service in this country. And I would say Irish, the Irish Department of Culture has the best high quality veterinary service in Europe, and we have good county veterinary officers, all doing a very good job. And and I'm no point in denying that fact. And Ireland has to have high veterinary standards because we, we export practically ninety percent of everything we produce: cattle, milk, pigs, everything, sheep, everything. We're, we're a huge exporting country. My percentage might be high in some areas. So we have to be cautious and careful. And there's no point in a small number of farmers having Jersey bull calves and the whole public knowing about it and people driving into their yards and seeing what's going on. This is what's happening. Today in the world, we have mobile phone from cameras and the whole thing is being identified. So let's let's set up the issue and let's sort it out. Let's put it right. And, and you're saying it's, a, it's, it's, food industry. And it's a euthanasia programme we need to have in. But I, I straight away can see people saying, what about the cost? Would there be a cost to the farmers for that? What I'm saying here is we have Dr. Bile in Laura Bile, who's a wet officer in Tarish, and we have, doc, we have Dr. French and somebody else in Killarney. So, I mean, I couldn't get to Killarney at the time. That I wasn't there because there'd been confrontation when I heard them. But I, I, was, I had intended going there to the, 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 to the Tarish conference. And this is why he did say Tarish has moved to debunk what he describes as a number of sensational morbid rumours about dairy cow and one of their from bars to pubs to boardrooms. What a statement to make by a man in his position. Okay, well, all right, uh, we'll wait and see. This is a story I think that's not certainly uh, going to go away. Uh, We leave it there, uh, Ned. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, former Junior Minister Ned O'Keefe on that issue of dairy bull calves being killed with plastic bags and lump hammers. I didn't get into the actual how the animals are being killed because I'm conscious of young ears and sensitive ears listening to the programme. I can see some texts and calls coming in of people agreeing with Ned O'Keefe. Somebody says, Patricia, Ned is dead right what he's saying. It's actually been going on for ages, but it's one of those things that just doesn't get uh, discussed. The texter says, Patricia, farming is in a bad state. This government only want big farmers and they and want them to expand. They don't want the smaller farm farmers. I'm five years trying to pass on my farm, which is valued at eight hundred thousand euro to my son, and I'm nowhere near getting it done. There is a I'm I, I'm assuming that's a bill, is it? Uh, with a vulture group for the sum of 70,000 and that is what is holding it up at the moment. And Mike by WhatsApp say, says, I rear my own calves and I might lose a, f- a few pounds uh, but I would never, whatever farmer is doing what Ned is doing, they shouldn't be called farmers. That is from uh, Mike and I think that's the, you would, I mean, I would h- hope and pray that what Ned is talking about is in the minority rather than, than the majority. The majority of dairy farmers are all about animal welfare and want to look after their animals. 1850 John Paul is taking your calls. If uh, you want to contact us today, you can text or WhatsApp to 086 
0862-103-103. I can already see some questions coming in for Peter Dowdle, our gardener. He'll be joining us after 12 today. So if you've got a question for Peter, you can get it in uh, throughout the morning. Now, we're going to take a break. Coming up after 11, we're going to talk about this march that's going on in Cork City tomorrow. The hope and aim is to highlight the housing crisis. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow. A Cork Christmas celebration. Festive food and fun. The Ferris wheel and so much more on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow. Open every weekend until Christmas. Martina O'Donoghue. Make C103 part of your drive home. With up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A lot of people, a lot of people reacting to Ned O'Keefe and what Ned O'Keefe had to say at that recent ICMSA meeting where he stated that Bull Dairy bull calves are being killed with plastic bags and lump hammers and it's by farmers who are looking to avoid the cost of rearing what are seen as unwanted animals. Let me just give you a sample of some of the texts coming into us. If the dairy farmers bred proper cows besides the reindeers, says this texter, they're producing this issue, wouldn't have arisen. They have the beef industry decimated and that's from a West Cork listener whom I'm assuming he, when, he, when he or she says reindeers, they're talking about the Jersey herd that Ned explained as to how this problem has arisen is because of the, Jer- the Jersey herd being introduced into this uh, country. Simon says, the Irish Cattle Breeding Federation have a role to play by DNA testing all dairy cows and the calves born from these cows. We have DNA testing for suckler calves. Why not have it for dairy cows? And it's not good enough, Minister Creed, saying that farmers can take dead calves to knackeries without being tagged and have an animal identity card, says Simon. And that was one of the points in Ned O'Keefe's statement at that meeting, the ICMSA AGM. He said that the knackeries have a role to play uh, in that they shouldn't be just taking in these cattle without any tag. So he's saying that they've a role to play and there's Simon saying pretty much the same thing. Catherine Westcock says, Hi Patricia, it's very true about the killing of calves that Ned O'Keefe is talking about. It's happening here around us in West Cork. I'm very sad to say that. We are farming ourselves. We look after our calves. We don't have Jersey calves though. We have other breeds but we know where these calves are being killed and it is going on. It's very, very sad. Uh, Patricia, that's from Catherine in West Cork. And another farmer has WhatsApp saying, Patricia, Good morning and happy Christmas to you and your team. Any happy returns? I contact you in regards to the calf welfare issue that Ned O'Keefe was speaking about today on your programme. I'm, I'm afraid I must say that I blame Chagas directly for this problem because this farm body rammed the message down our throats that a massive increase in our dairy population was required to supply the massive demand for our produce which was coming down the road. Now, not all of us swallowed this fairy tale, but many did. And now the prices are on the floor for calves and the milk price received by farmers is just a scandal. Patricia, don't worry though because our youth are running away from this idyllic life. They won't work endless hours for only to rely on direct payments to stay afloat. Shame on those who should bloody know better. You've destroyed a wonderful country of quality farmers and quality food. 
and that's signed from a farmer who obviously is very, very angry with what is going on at the moment. Let me go to the phone lines where Joe is in Bantry. Good morning to you, Joe. Good morning, Patricia, and happy Christmas. Uh, and many happy returns, Joe. You listened to Ned and you're not disputing what Ned is saying. You're saying he's telling the truth. Well, what I well, I was there in Limerick myself and uh, what I think Ned should have done when he saw this happening, he should have reported straight away. And uh, now, if it's true, I never saw it. I never saw it, don't I? I, never, I don't want to either. Um, but Would you I have heard about it, though, anecdotally? Would you have heard other farmers I've, talk about I've it? I've heard, heard about it, all right. Okay. But, and, and, and I wouldn't agree with it. I think they should be reported straight away. Now, uh, Targets have a lot of uh, roles playing play this because, like, so when McCourt's went, which they shouldn't have went, that uh, harvest 2020. Uh, Simon Coveney was the minister at that time, and does now all talk about increase, increase, increase. Now, if you increase, increase, that means that you're getting rid of rural Ireland uh, family farm, because the family farm, the most they can hold is up to 100 cows, all depends on what kind of land you have. Mm. Now, they are trying to bring in factory farms here in this country. I've been abroad and I've seen factory farms, and they do not work. Because, like, so the animals are not looked after properly because they're all people coming in paid to do a job. And they, when you pay someone to do a job, uh, if you don't do it yourself, uh, something suffers. And um, and that's where the young calf comes in. Now, the little jersey, I have no jersey myself, but uh, little jerseys, they're, they're nice little animals. They're good and solid and things like that. But they're not bred for beef. What and, are they? Uh, are they of any use? They are. They're good in milk. They're good in solids. They're making butter and cheese and things like that. They're yeah, but if it's, if it's a bull calf? If it's a bull calf, uh, what you do, you don't kill him in the first going off. You keep him and, and uh, he'll come into beef someday. He won't make a big price like a Belgian Blue or a Charlie. But, but, like, so but you, can, you can sell him on. You will make... So, well. you, you will make money, yeah. If you yeah, finish okay. for two years, you will. You will. Okay. But what happens, what happens, Patricia, is that with the factory farms, they have so many. Say, like, up to 1,000 cows, some are 800 cows. Yeah. They have no room for them. They, they, they don't respect the bull calf. They, they just don't want them. And and that's completely wrong. And I think cows have to come into this. They're, they're still preaching of, of, of uh, breeding um, uh, Jersey crosses. No, there's no harm breeding Jersey crosses, but don't have too many of them. Yeah. There's no point, there's no point having 1,000 cows or some rate on the cows, and next thing to be drought come or or the weather gets flooded out, the land gets flooded out, and then where's Togus then? Togus don't come out. You ever notice that Togus will not come out when when the weather goes bad, if it gets a drought or the weather goes bad, that that these cows have to be fed. You know. So like, so what's the point of all these cows when you have not enough land to feed them? And is there any euthanasia programme in operation for farmers that don't want to raise the bull calf? There's not. And, 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 you know, something I hope that won't come in because that's not a nice thing. It's better than than what we're hearing hit over the head with a lump hammer. Ah, but there's a way out of that. Don't have too many. Just have enough that you can look after. Yeah, but obviously if what Ned is saying is true and we're hearing it from, I have to say, it's not just Ned. Uh, other listeners are contacting us saying from all over the county. It's not just where Ned is in North Cork. We're getting texts in from West Cork, uh, East Cork, and people are saying it is going on. I don't know to what extent, but people seem to know it's going on. Oh, yeah. If, 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 well, I never thought, Richard, and Penny, too, I, I, didn't, I never thought, but 
If it's going on, there should be something done about it. Yeah. It shouldn't be going on. Someone like, is... Ma- and, I, I don't, and have to come into it. I, I don't know if this will work, but uh, Liam, or Noel is saying, uh, could, they, could you not ask the farmers, could they not offer these calves to beef farmers to raise for free? If the dairy... If the dairy farmers don't want them, could they offer them to beef farmers? Would beef farmers... The beef farmers won't take them. They won't take them, yeah. Okay. They, 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 won't, they won't take them because like the... Uh, and is it a cost yeah. thing? Is it down to the the farmers just don't have the money to feed these animals? It, it, it comes down to greed. So, uh, greed? About greed. Yeah, they just want the milk. These, these uh, factory farms, these company farms, just don't care about the calves. They just want milk. And that, that that's not a family farm. When you when you go to a family farm uh, under under cows, he will look after his calf. He will he will look after his cow. They're looked after ten times better. And because we're suffering now, this is coming out because uh, uh, these factory farms that never get enough greed. They they, they uh, I don't know where they're going. They're in Cookland out there, having a thousand cows, which just doesn't make sense in Ireland. The country is very small. Yeah. You know, and like so the only way that this is going to be sorted out is there'll be a cap put in on how many cows you can keep. Do, you do, do we and, need and further inspections or do farmers have enough inspections? Do, oh, na- have enough inspections. do the knackeries have a role to play here? I mean, if Ned is talking about somebody seeing, you know, 300 cattle, 300 dead calves uh, at the knackery from a lump hammer, I mean, with no tags, do the knackeries have a role in this? Oh, oh you know, something I... I yeah, I have a role, of course, but geez, I don't know, do that happen? Uh, anytime I, I took a cast, I had a lot of red tape patched to it. You know, I, 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 if, if, if I have a, a cast bond dead, I must tag him and, and uh, paperwork and take more for the knackery. And they won't let me come in without a tag on his ear or, or, or uh, paperwork. So yeah, if, because if, if they rules, got if, inspected, if, 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 if rules for the yeah. big fella, so and and the rules for the small farmer. Yeah, all right, okay. You know, I, I can see but, a lot more. I, I think I think Borbia and Calvis have a lot to play for it. Uh, role to play here because they're they're after advising people to increase, increase, and now there's a big problem with the cows for next spring. They should be brought on your 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 program and explain to the people what they did. Yeah, and what you they know. expect farmers to do now. Yeah. Okay. You know, like, uh, but uh, what I say to farmers is, you just have to realize that, that the bull calf uh, have to live as well. You know, I I would not dare uh, uh, kill any bull calf. Okay, stay there. We try to keep him alive. They, do I do I have um, Tim in Donaway? What line is Tim on? Um, Tim is on on line one. Okay, just stay there. I want to bring in Tim in in, Do- in Donnerail. He's not. He's on line one. Okay, I want to bring in Tim in Donnerail because he wants to get in on this uh, discussion. Good morning, Tim. Hello, uh, Patricia. I'm um, very well, thank you. You also have listened to Ned, and you say it is happening. Yes, it is happening. Uh, what are we surprised with, Patricia? What are we so, so surprised about? We want to be go down. Um, we want to go down the same line as New Zealand farming here. Okay. Mm. We want factory farms. Go out to New Zealand, spend a bit of time outside in New Zealand. Every bull calf that's born is killed. Get out a collection twice a day on farms to collect the dead calves. And it, but it's a, a it's a euthanasia programme, is it? A euthanasia? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the very same procedure as Ned Keith was talking about. A lump hammer? Yes. Oh dear God. So let us, let us, let us cut the rubbish talk here now for a change, right? We had a demonstration, uh, agriculture had a demonstration 
in Dublin a week ago. Yeah. I was listening to the comments on the Joe Duffy show. Yeah. Which I was not allowed to go on air, but anyway, that's beside the point. Okay? All I was listening to was people's appointments being disturbed, uh, people being delayed going to work. Right? Yeah. We had the gridlock in Dublin City. We had when we had uh, demonstrations for water, when we had the guards out with the blue flu, when we had bus airing out as a guards uh, uh, transport, when we had the nurses out. But the very minute it touched the agricultural sector, it's like as if... It reminds me of something that... It's like it doesn't exist. It did look like, though, that there was... It's a great system to keep... People employ it. It's a great uh, thing for exports. Yeah. But other than that, the individual farmer on the ground is not respected. And just before I finish, which you know, I want to say something else. The present air farmer is the farmer that went to primary school, secondary school, third level education, came out of third level education and went down to agricultural college. Yeah. Right? And now the same individuals want to turn around and criticise the targeted advisors. They want to criticise um, Jim Wolfe and they want to criticise Simon Corbney that stood up below on Mitchestown. I was at meetings. I listened to enough of rubbish at that time about milk was the, the new name for milk was actually liquid gold. Yeah, I okay? remember, yeah, remember now, as well, yeah. Patricia, if you're told to put your hand in the fire, Will you do it? No. Yes. Okay. All the right. The position of agriculture at present is down to nothing else, only greed, and what have agriculture on the floor at present. People involved in agriculture with the fellows that went up to the two and three hundred cows, right? Yeah. They have absolutely no respect for the fellow that's under... The small cows. farmer. The amount of people that are saying that they were, we're going to lose the small... Farm family and who are they being pushed out by Patricia? They're larger farms. Yes. It's, uh, yeah, it's so large farms. If they're expecting sympathy from, and I would be classed as being a very small fish in the pond. Okay. Right. Yeah. Our day is over. Okay. Let me move on, Tim. Thank you for that. I want to move on to John. Is in uh, Ballinhasic. Uh, good morning, John. Good morning, uh, Patricia. Now, are you keeping? I'm. I'm keeping well. You say a can of worms has been opened here. It has, Patricia, because I'll tell you why now. There's an acre quite near us in Bellinhasig, and it was said there on the problem a while ago that there's farmers bringing in calves without tags and dumping them there. Yeah. Now, that is illegal because oh, every calf must be traced, and the acre could be fined heavily, and the farmer could lose his single farm payment if he's found out. So you don't believe what Ned is saying is going on then? I do. I'm not saying that. I'm saying what it probably is going on, but thanks be to God, I never saw it. But I believe it is going on, but that is the height of ignorance. That should not happen, but I'm talking about the people that were able to bring calves into the knackery without tags. That's totally legal, and the people did it. If the department catch those fellas, they're going to lose their farm payments. And, and I wonder, out. are, are knackeries open to inspection by the department to make sure that every... The, the, the department have an office inside in the Nacre Yard. All right, okay. So okay. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And we have our one, and I remember one day there was a calf came in a no tag, and he said, I must get that straight away, and now that calf is going back, he's not being accepted. So, like, if everybody did their job, 
it would be much better. But as far as Jersey Castle concerned, yeah, it's a shame because the Jersey and as bad as they're painted. I know a friend of mine bought one for five euros, and when he sold his cattle, the Jersey one only bought a hundred euros behind them. But they see. They'd run down everywhere. They're worth nothing but they are. And I think it's a shame if people are killing cows because at home, and we have a good dairy farm, and we have a natural number of cows that we can manage. And if we have a calf week, we have an infrared bulb, he's put into it, and we nurse him along. Ah, we well done. Him in 100 years. Well done. So, yeah. But and actually, a, yeah, I can see a lot of people saying that they hate the idea of, of a little calf being uh, uh, killed. Um, Tim, is that you? Not Tim. Who's there? Um, uh, Sorry, Joe. Patricia, yeah, Patricia, I'm going to come back in there again. Yeah, go on, Joe, in Bantry. Like, 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 like the, the problem is there's too many cows in the country. There's too many people uh, trying to have too many cows, like factory farms. You too, uh, too many people have expanded, is what you're saying. They, 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 yeah. yes. and, on and the, the advice, though, you're saying. They got the advice yeah, yeah, to do Tog, that. Yeah, yeah Targus and, and, and the Irish government told them to do that, and they did it like fools. No, no oh. so I, I asked the minister that day, and we go from cows to beef. There's a lot of beef come into this country and I, I said to him, I said, can I go into any super value or any Tesco or anything and pick out my my uh, beef if it came from Poland or from a feedlot or, um, or a grass bed? Yeah. He didn't answer me. He didn't answer. No, okay. He didn't answer me. And like like so, uh, I was going to ask uh, Borbia, but I wasn't allowed to, to ask him. But like so, it's it's all a cartel racket. With, with politicians, targets, for beer, uh, and and factory farms, and 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 even in the factories. So that I, I'm I, what I say is that what happened a week or two weeks ago, in the protests in Dublin. That's the only thing that this government will understand. Okay, we're going to have to leave it there, uh, gentlemen. Thank you for that. I can see, and I will get to. A lot of people are actually agreeing with uh, uh, Joe in in particular. Thank you uh, to our callers there, to Joe in uh, Bantry, and to John and Bannon Hassock and uh, Tim was on in uh, Donegal. Just let me give you quickly some of the text coming in. John and Bantry totally agree with uh, Joe. Uh, Sandy, I could not take a day old dead calf to Nackery without a form showing the tag number that would go onto the calf's ear. So I'm inclined to not believe this not tagged story. They would not be acceptable in Anakery. Holston are bad beef animals. Jersey are worse. In New Zealand, bull calves are slaughtered at birth, put in a skip and collected once full or collected weekly. Oh God, isn't it? That just sounds horrific. But that's the way they do it. Hi, a West Cork dairy farmer says a texter, I feel bad if a calf dies on my farm. See, the smaller farmers hate to see something or hate to hear something happening like that. Uh, It is a scandal to God and man says this uh, texture the way those poor bull calves are being treated too small and weak at marts so please feed them uh, or close them down I had to mind my calves 24-7 to try and keep them fed and warm so please God something will happen now uh, God bless you and well done to Ned for speaking up on this Hi C103 Recalf Welfare this is all down to greed mostly bigger herds are involved in this practice these farmers are cold hearted business people who are only interested in profit okay that's just a small sample of some of the texts coming into us 1850 333 103 John Paul continues to take your calls text or whatsapp 086 
103 C103 Jobs. With Hewitt College, now enrolling for Christmas Junior and Leaving Certificate Revision courses. Your success is built on their experience. See hewittcollege.ie. North Cork Agri Fabricating Business. They want to recruit a temporary welder stroke fabricator, uh, while experienced bar person is wanted for work in Springford Hotel in uh, Mallow. Part-time leisure attendant wanted for High B Fitness Centre. That's in Mallow. You must hold a current swim teacher's level two qualification and lifeguarding qualification. And a multi-drop van driver is wanted for work immediate start working up to and including Christmas Eve. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow. A Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow. Open every weekend until Christmas. Hi, Simon here. As you know, Cork has a host of local and world-class brands and it's a great place for shopping. This Christmas, we're asking you once again to make every effort to shop locally. We'd be delighted if you could do your Christmas shopping right here in Cork. Because a thriving local economy is good for everyone. Shop locally and you'll save time, you'll save money and you'll save local jobs. Support your own this festive season and have a very happy Christmas from all of us at C103. Quickly, let me look down at some more of your comments coming in. Uh, now, when people are saying about that they can't possibly bring the dead calves to the knackeries without having a tag on their ears, Sean is saying last year three dead calves were dumped near Barry Row area, no tags bringing DNA testing of dairy farms now, said Sean and one would wonder, is that what's happening? Are these bull calves being killed and they're not being taken to the knackeries because they don't have a tag in their ear they're in, instead being dumped in some areas, is, is that is that a possibility? Um, how, how much is Bordbia and Chagas costing the taxpayer, says a uh, texter. Uh, when I can go, where can I buy Polish beef? Or what exactly are they selling? Or is it all being mixed up with Irish beef? You, we can't always be sure what we are buying. You mean to look for the love Irish, isn't it? Make sure that it is guaranteed Irish. But I know people get quite confused uh, about some of the tags and what what looks like being Irish isn't Irish at all. Okay, more of your texts. I believe the government should implement a euthanasia programme, says this texter. Uh, but is there not a way that these calves could be given to the likes of Boher and have them exported to Africa or, or to other places? I don't know. I, I don't know because some people are saying that while they won't make as much as other breeds of cattle they still will make some money but then if it's a pure dairy farm that they're being born onto those farmers only want milk they're not interested in raising them at all and particularly if they're not going to raise them to make as much money as other cattle would raise Hi Patricia well done to Ned O'Keefe for highlighting what is a barbaric way that some farmers utilise in the that some farmers utilise in the disposal of Jersey calves I am dairy farming myself and I never agreed with the Jersey cross being introduced into this country the calving period is a busy one and any calf death can be upsetting it's not just right to euthanise a perfectly healthy animal that you've helped bring into the world. Is the Irish family farm changing and moving towards the bigger industrial units? Isn't that point thank you for that, isn't that point coming is being made over and over and over again 
the amount of people are saying that that's what it's all about. It's about going into these much more larger farms and getting rid of the small family farm, which would be a real, real shame. John said the fact that Ned O'Keefe was shouted down at the meeting when he raised the calf welfare issue is disturbing to say the least. This culture of calf death is entertained in this country. Some of these large dairy farmers won't even call a vet to a sick cow. They're too mean. All they want is more land and more cattle. I've heard of guys driving over sick cows with a loader oh, rather than get a vet to put the animal down. I think Minister Creed needs to get more inspections out, especially on intensive dairy farms. We need also stocking rates all to be reduced. Uh, animal, And if that was happening, animal welfare would not take a back seat as it is taking at the moment. And Sandy says beef breeding Jersey and Halston Frisian calves beef bred output capability depends on their genetics so AI breeding stations control that not farmers so negative beef genetics are controllable that's a bit that's a bit technical for me now uh, Sandy but uh, thank you for that alright that's just a sample as I say of some of the texts that are coming in now I just want to move to a couple of different issues because there's lots uh, to get through on the programme today we got a response, by the way, from Unpost. Remember yesterday, one of our listeners said that they'd gone to the post office to post a parcel to the United States of America in time for Christmas. And that for the first time ever, they had never heard it done or seen it done before. The post office clerk had to fill in some kind of a form for the person and list the contents of what was in the package. And our listener said that it held up everything because it took about 20 minutes and she'd never seen it before. And she was warning others that if you are going, particularly with packages to the United States, you need to be aware of this, that it's some form that has to be filled in. You can't fill it in yourself, according to our listener. It can only be filled in by the post office clerk. And I was saying that on the, the day before, I had been to the post office where I'd posted a package to England and I'd also... Uh, one for Australia and I was handed out the little forms and I went to you know a side counter and I filled it in myself so I was unaware of what was going on with the United States of America so we got on to one post we said we'd go straight to the top and ask them what's going on they've come back with this is a requirement from the United States that for security reasons details of all parcels being posted into the US must now be submitted electronically in advance of posting Incredible. And then attached to the item are the items may not be accepted into the US. It certainly shouldn't take 20 minutes to complete the online form, though. But they say perhaps the post office person was new to the job, i.e. it was the first time completing one of the forms. And they've apologised for the inconvenience for our listener who had to wait 20 minutes. What is way more convenient, they tell us, is their new click and post facility, which enables customers to complete the online form themselves on their own computer at home and print it off. Or if you don't have a print you can save the completed form code to your phone and then they'll print it off at the post office for you. Isn't that great? So click and post facility if you go to on post. So just to give that out to people who are maybe heading to the post office and posting to America for the first time this year since that has been introduced. But the Americans obviously completely tightening up on their security and parcels coming in. You have to submit it electronically what is in your parcel and you do it in advance. 1850. Thank you to Unpost for that. 1850-333-103. John Paul takes your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. 
Here at C103, we're giving away shopping vouchers worth a total of €5,000. €5,000. C103's Christmas Covered is your chance to win a €500 Euro one-for-all voucher. Listen at 9, 2 and 5 every day to count the Christmas bells. Then text or WhatsApp the total amount for your chance to win. C103's Christmas Covered. With Dennis and Mary Ryans, where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived. Now open Sundays. See ryans.ie. Only on C103. OK, and I want to continue on with this farming issue. John in Dunmanway says, I'm a farmer, listening to what has been said on your programme uh, today. The day the quotas went was the beginning of the end for the beef farmer. Uh, particularly what is happening is milk is too valuable to feed the calves. Why should they give two to three euro of milk a day to a calf that is only worth two euro at March? So calves are dying because of this. So John and Domanway is blaming the end of uh, quotas. Now I've got Jerry. Have I Jerry joining me from uh, Kilmallock? Uh, he wants to get in on this discussion. Uh, good morning to you, Jerry. Good morning, Patricia. Jerry, you bought six of these Jersey baby calves. I bought six of these Jersey baby calves at a mass in the county Cork, right? Yeah. How much did you pay? I paid one euro for the six of them. For six calves? Yes, they one euro for six calves. That was the going rate. It wasn't anything cheap at all. They were the last six calves into the ring. He put in two first, and he said, how much did you give me for them? And I said, a euro. He put in four. I said, a euro. And he put in six. He says, what are you? Surely the guys are giving more. Listen to me, my dear man. Says I, I don't want the calves. I'm bidding you for them. If you can get a euro and 50 cents from anybody else in the ring, take it. He obviously couldn't, so I got saying, right. Well, you will get Jersey cows for nothing in that. And what did you do with them? I brought them home. They were nice and happy lads, as I thought. My wife, I'm, I'm a, I do a bit of exports, right? Yeah. I have a good few cows going through my shape. So we brought home the cows. I gave them to my wife, Anne, and she fed them and fed them well for maybe four or five weeks, and then she left them out in the field. But whether they got these things or didn't get these things, I don't know. But five of them died, right? After we looking after them well now and feeding them well, five of them died and one lad survived, right? Yeah. So I had to give £125 to dispose of the five. That's what my knackery man charged me, £125. 25 per calf, head. yeah. So that was 125 right? Yeah. So I, I had a big Charlie Bullock with this small Jersey lad and they got the same feeding until the following November 12th. They were very well fed on nuts. So I sent the two of them to the factory the following November, a factory in the south. I won't mention any name. And my agent rang me and he said to me, he said, you've got a good price for the Charlies. I said, what is it? He says, 1,450 euros. Well, I said to him, well, I wouldn't consider it a good price for the simple reason. His comrades made 1,350 last May, and this was November. But anyway, that's beside the point. He said to me, you got a bad price for the jersey. I said, what did I get for the jersey? He said, you got 150 euros. And I said, what weight was it? He said, he was 300 pounds dead. And I said, that's a joke. I said, I won't take that price. I said, I'll take him away. Well, he says, any animal that comes in here, stays here. And I said, you're, this 
said to her after meeting, I said, I'm coming for him tomorrow and you are him. And she said, ring you back. So he checked me out. I have an export premises in the south and I knew what cattle were making. I knew the prices. I said, the bad cow was making two euros a kilo, eight, six, six. And he rang me back. He says, come and collect. So I knew a few guys in the factory who were boners and I said, would you bone out that little animal for me? Put him into a couple of boxes and I'll take him away. So your man in the factory wouldn't allow them bone. So oh, she wanted it for your freezer, was it? Yes, I wanted yeah. to bone him out. Yeah. So they wouldn't allow me, they wouldn't allow me bone him. So I brought him, got the four quarters, took him to my local butcher. I said, hang him up for three weeks. So I hung him for three weeks and I rang his son of mine in Dublin who was in the building trade. And I said, would you have a custom for a couple of hundred pounds of meat? He said, I would. I said, I put it into four boxes for you. I said, I'd get the butcher to chop it up. And I'd have it ready for you in three weeks. That's fine, he said. I went to my butcher. He put them into four boxes after three weeks. Evenly divided it. I gave him 150 quid for doing it. So that, the animal then stood me 275, right? Yeah. And I charged the guys in Dublin two pounds a pound. So I got 600 pounds for my animal. And they were delighted with cheap meat. And that was my, it was cheap meat. And as well as that, the point I'm making to you is the robbery that the factory was going to give. And what what is it about Jersey every meat time, that people don't time. want? What I mean, what does it taste different? It, well, I, I had one of the steaks and it was fine, but this animal now was exceptionally fed. Ninety five percent of Jerseys are starved. Starved. They just, they just don't feed them. I've seen them take. I I, I go to three or four or five mass a week. I've seen Jersey cows, I see Jersey cows six weeks old, sold at nine pounds a piece, 15 of them together. Because at the end of the day, naturally, they won't make the same price. But against that, if you feed them well enough, they will hold the money. But people aren't willing willing to do that because they're afraid that they're not going to make the money. They're afraid of their lives, that they're worth nothing. If you take them to, if they're shipping at, Jersey animals, if they're blackish of some chance, but if they're pure yellow, like the purebred jerseys, they are worth very, very little. And they're, right a, they're a gorgeous, this is going to sound ridiculous now to all the farmers listening, but they're a gorgeous looking animal. Beautiful looking animal. Yeah. Beautiful. And I, they're, they're, well now, if, if a man came in to me tomorrow morning, I'd tell the truth, and he had 10 Jersey bull calves, two months old, and he says to me, you can have them for nothing, I wouldn't take them. The reason being, you put the same amount of work into even a Frisian or a Charlie or a limousine, and you will be guaranteed your return. You will not be guaranteed your return with the jersey. Yeah, you're not going to get it back. All right, listen. Okay, uh, listen, thank you for that, Jerry, And uh, thanks for joining us. That is uh, Jerry in uh, Kilmallock. Just uh, still a lot of texts in. Kevin in Yall says... A small bit of hunger in Ireland would do no harm. People have it too handy. and They've no appreciation of where food comes from or more importantly, what's involved with producing it. Uh, someone else says, get him off the airway, spreading more lies. 95% are starved. Come on, that is not true. 
With regard to the killing of calves, would there not be value to the people living out far and they appreciated animals in the past? Could you not send them out there? Actually, somebody is, when somebody else suggested, would Boher uh, take them? Somebody has explained. Patricia, I'm sending this again to you uh, about the reaction to the Boher texture. A cow is female, but a bull calf is male. You can't milk a bull. What, what Boher send is in calf heifers, i.e., a female mother with a calf. That is what is uh, sent. Michael says, Hi, Patricia. I remember listening to a minister on the radio during the worst of the fodder crisis after opening a new milking plant, saying double the national herd and that milk was liquid gold. Mary Wilson was the interviewer and she challenged him, saying that she knew little about farming, but cattle were dying with the hunger. He went speechless. They haven't a clue. I cry if my calves are sick or die. I'm a small farmer. This is all about greed and big getting bigger. What a sad day for Ireland, says uh, Michael. But here's somebody in defence of people expanding. Scott says... People went into dairy and expanded in dairying because it is economically the right thing to do. Please stop referring to people who expanded as factory farmers. We're still at the end of the day, family farmers, treating our animals like children. Calf mortality has decreased in Ireland since the cow numbers have risen. Your callers are not dealing with the facts. They're only dealing with rumours. Please be aware of this before spreading hate between farmers over the airways. We have much bigger issues in the agri-industry like environmental restrictions without farmers turning on each other. Thanking you. And that's from uh, Scott. We'll finish with Scott. Thank you for that, Scott. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Back to your texts. Uh, still getting in texts from farmers. Jim and Clonakilty. There was a British Frisian that was a dual purpose animal in that it was good for milk and it was good for, for beef. But Jim says, through greed, there wasn't enough milk being produced by, these, by the British Frisian. So they all went to Holston. But there was still a lot to be said for the British Frisian. But Jim says at the end of the day it was all down to greed like what was happening today. Now I, I'm starting to get a bit uncomfortable with everybody saying that everything to do with the farming is down to greed. At the end of the day farmers are running businesses. They're making money. So if more money can be made from switching to something else that's not necessarily greed. Why just because it's farmers are we saying it's greed? You know, if it was another business switching its line to something else because it could make more money, we wouldn't be accusing the the business of being greedy. We would say that that was a good business move. So, um, so good business move. At the, and at the end of the day, while they are, they can be family run, but they're businesses. You know, they're in the business to make money, to put food on the table, to educate their children, to buy their cars, to pay off their bills. The same as the local shopkeeper does or any other uh, business. Uh, but that's an explanation from Jim as to what has happened and why we are where we are uh, today. Thank you for your t- your call, uh, Jim. And customers, this is a text, customers are, in my opinion, being screwed by multinationals, big retail companies and factories dictating prices paid in this country as there are very little, as there's very little legal protection controlling fair trade practices. It's not farmers' fault, says this texter, that jerseys and Halstons are not wanted. It's market prices that dictate what is value and what is not. Factories decide prices paid regardless of customers paying 
top dollar. And I, I, I don't know enough because I don't eat beef, so I don't know enough about beef and the different cuts of beef and what should you be buying and what shouldn't you uh, be buying. But listening to Jerry in, in the last hour from Kilmallock who took the who took the jerseys for what, what did he say? He got six of them for a euro even though only one made it. But what he did in the end was he cut it up because he wasn't going to send it to factory where it was, where it was going to make little or no money. So he used some of it himself and he sold on some to his friends, his son's friends in Dublin. But he said that the meat tasted really good. I mean, I, I just as I say, I'm, I don't eat beef, so I can't tell you why people don't want this, want the Jersey. The only thing I know about the Jersey cows, they look gorgeous. But that's not why people go into farming for the look of a particular animal, is it? Uh, 1850 Now, let me move on to other issues, please, because there are other topics coming in. There is one that came in earlier and I do want to get to it because I really am interested in people's thoughts on this. And this came in from Mary earlier on and I actually had spotted it myself and had set it aside and said to jump off. That's something I want to talk about on the radio today. Uh, Mary has very kindly sent me in a copy of a poster that looks like a raffle. And Mary says, hi, Patricia, I know it's that time of year for raffles and all that and all that. But this isn't this a bit ridiculous? This sounds as if people have become objects. Where is the caring element gone from our health service? It's a sad day when patients seem to be used as prizes to be discharged in order to have the system moving swiftly along. And hooray, guess what? You can win 500 euros, says Mary. And she sends on a, on a poster that says discharge lounge and then question underneath it. Is your ward slash team the best? Prove it. And then it's win monthly prizes of and there's prizes for 500, 250 and 250 in the bottom line on it is the battle is on don't miss out now this particular poster uh, it seems offering these cash prizes to the the staff as part of a competition to get discharged patients out of their beds as early as possible and the posters and this contest this raffle of well it's not a raffle it's a competition is on in St James's Hospital in Dublin which by the way is the country's largest hospital I didn't realise St James's uh, was and they're doing it they've started doing this competition as a way of improving what they say patient flow and freeing up the beds of people who are leaving the facility however the method being used involving prizes for ward teams who perform the best has obviously led to accusations of very, very bad taste by some patients. The competition is promoted in the poster that we mentioned embezzled with the words win is on it, offering the ward that sends the most patients to the discharge lounge before 11am in the morning. They can win a €500 prize. And then the most improved use of the lounge, the prize there, 250 euro and it's the same 250 euro was offered for the medical team that sent the most patients to the discharge lounge. Isn't this just unreal? It's only that I've seen the poster you would think somebody's making this up. This is April Fool's. This, there's no way that this is happening but it is. Now the Irish Independent are actually leading with it uh, front page story in their papers uh, today. They contacted St James's Hospital and a hospital spokesperson responded by saying those posters have been removed and will be redesigned. We apologise for any offence caused. It's unclear though whether the incentive scheme due to run for four months will continue in its current form. 
So we, the poster has been removed and we will be redesigned. I mean, are they still going to continue with the competition and offer the staff these cash prizes? Now, OK, let's see it from the hospital's point of view and what are the hospitals doing? The hospitals all over the country, including St. James's, are desperate to speed up the movement of patients and to free up beds to reduce what is that huge backlog of trolleys in A&E departments that we're hearing about every day when the INMO release their trolley watch. They are people who are... who are gone into A&E, they've been assessed and seen by a doctor who says, yes, you need to come into hospital, you need to get a bed on a ward, you've got to wait until somebody exits the bed on the ward that you need to be on. And if somebody is discharged, they need to get them out of that bed as quickly as possible. And this whole discharge lounge, I don't know if it operates in all hospitals, but the idea behind it was to free up the bed and to make the turnaround of a patient who's better in going home, get them out of the bed and get the other person who now needs the bed into the bed. So the actual idea behind it is terrific. And the idea would be, because, you know, on the day of discharge, there can be things to sort out. You know, you might need to get a new uh, prescription. There might be, you know, things need to be sorted out for you and that can take some time. So the idea of having a discharge lounge would be you'd go in there. It'd be medically supervised. You know, if you needed to get medication while you were there, the nurse would be there. You'd also be provided with meals. It was a lovely, comfortable environment. You could also wait in, and can wait in the discharge lounge. Say you're from a very rural area, you're from up the country and somebody has to come up and collect you uh, rather than you sit waiting in the bed holding up an acute bed you go to the discharge lounge so I can understand and see why it was put in place and why it's it's a terrific idea but this incentive to get people in there as quickly as possible that just doesn't sit well with me I have no problem with people going to a discharge lounge on the day they're being discharged but don't run a competition to get poor Mary out of the bed by 11 o'clock and even though she's well enough, she might be a bit slow. She might take a little bit extra time. Don't be running her down the corridor to the discharge lounge just so that your ward and your team can be the best and win the money. And the other one that I didn't like was the last prize, the medical team that sends the most patients to the discharge lounge. That one particularly doesn't sit well with me. Is that encouraging people to discharge somebody before they're actually ready for discharge? The other ones I can understand. The other one is more to do with the nursing. It's the management of the bed. It's get the person out of the bed, get them into the discharge large lounge, change the sheets, get the next person that's on the trolley down the A&E, get them up quick and get them into the bed. I can kind of understand that, even though I don't want it to be a financial incentive, but I can understand why they want to try and speed up the turnaround if the trolley figures are really bad downstairs in A&E. But I don't know if it's, it doesn't sit right with me that a medical team should be in a competition to send the most patients to the discharge lounge. That certainly doesn't sit well with me. Anyway, as I say, it has been, the poster has been removed and will be redesigned. And don't you know, because obviously it was a member of the public was up either a patient at the hospital or somebody visiting somebody on the ward and saw saw this poster that looks like it was up on some kind of a notice board and somebody took a photograph of it. So if it is redesigned, 
uh, and another poster goes up, you can be guaranteed we'll get to see it. Anyway, your thoughts um, welcomed on that. Are you with Mary who feels it's making patients uh, look like uh, almost like a commodity? They're being used as prizes in order for the team to win cash. Your thoughts welcomed 1850-333-103. And as I say, it is in St. James's Hospital and hopefully, hopefully it would never happen and it would never come down here and affect us in any of our Cork hospitals. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Mallow United Soccer Training. Uh, for boys and girls aged from 4 to 17 of all abilities and for those with additional needs happens every Wednesday from 6pm to 7pm and it's in Carragoon Indoor Complex. A gala floral demonstration by Eileen O'Brien in aid of Enable Ireland will be held this evening at half past seven in the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway. Tickets are 15 euro and they're available at the door. Copine Archaeological, Historical and Cultural Society are presenting an illustrated talk by Dr Bernadette McCarthy entitled Historic Post Boxes of the Copine Region in Context. It takes place in on Copine tonight, half past eight, all are welcome. The Blood Transfusion Service have got donor clinics in the Fergus Hotel in Mitchellstown today from 5pm to 8.30 and again tomorrow, Thursday, 3 to 5 in the afternoon and 7 to 9 tomorrow night. The Cork Incubator Kitchens are holding a charity Christmas market between six and half past seven this evening at their premises in Carrigaline Industrial Estate. This is an ideal opportunity to meet local producers, sample their produce and pick up some unique presents. Collection points on the night for donations of hats, scarves, socks, sleeping bags, as well as money for the Cork Simon community. And following a fire at the Grand Parade offices, the Grow the Mental Health Support Charity is holding a fundraising concert in the Rochestown Park Hotel tonight with local entertainment Marini Kialokorn, Gerwolf and Friends. Uh, tickets are to make a donation. You can contact Teresa at 087-905-1275. And a fundraising coffee morning for Clonakilty Community Care and Meals on Wheels will be held in the Clonakilty Adult Education Centre, St. Faulkner's, tomorrow morning from half 10 to 12 noon. There will be a raffle on the day for a Christmas hamper. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. C103's Christmas Covered. We're giving away shopping vouchers worth a total of €5,000. With Dennis and Mary Ryan Bishopstown, where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived. See ryans.ie. And this is the final week for you to grab a free festive shopping spree. C103's Christmas Uncovered, your chance to win a €500 one-for-all shopping voucher. Yesterday we had you counting the bells and it was Kieran Cohan from Skibbereen. It was Kieran who got the call. Uh, 11. 11. Let's see if you might be correct. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sound never gets old. I just love it. <laughs> it's a delightful surprise now on the way home. It sure is, isn't it? And uh, are you going home to anyone that you can um, celebrate with this evening? Uh, I'm actually engaged to get married um, next year, so I'm supposed to call out to my fiancé, 
Oh, wow, that's great. Kate's going to be absolutely delighted. She's going to expect you to spend some of that 500 euro on her, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure with Christmas around the corner, yes. So Christmas is around the corner and also planning a wedding. Yeah. So you guys do need the money, right? <laughs> I'm surely, that's for sure. Lots of bills, I'm sure. Kieran, I'm so delighted to be able to pass this uh, gift your way. It's uh, C103's Christmas Covered and you're getting today's voucher for €500. Euro. It's one of those one-for-all voucher. You can uh, use it in so many different outlets. Congratulations. Thanks very much. I'm, I'm delighted. Well done and congratulations. Kieran Crahan from Skibbereen. Hopefully you're counting today's bells. They were ringing with Simon at nine. Again, at two with Nick. And then we'll have the final ones at five o'clock with Martina. And it's at that point you add all the three totals together and text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and you could be getting the call like Kieran got yesterday from Martina and your chance to win C103's Christmas covered with Dennis and Mary Ryan where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived open seven days crimes.ie and remember to download the C103 app to your phone now so you can listen at 9, 2 and 5 no matter where you are. 1850 Our lines are open. Now, we spoke yesterday about Drumahan National School and their plans this Christmas to think about and to look after people in need. Well, this morning, we go to the other side of the county to chat to the Gwail Scholar in Clonakilty, where pupils are undertaking acts of kindness in lieu of December homework. Joining me, the Vice Principal, Ida, Ida Niviri, uh, who joins me. Good, uh, good afternoon to you, Ida. Hi there, how uh, are you? You're welcome. Now, this is your third year running this an initiative. Just outline what you're asking pupils to do. Yeah, so just for the month of December, instead of their formal homework, they have a kindness diary going home with them. And they're asked every day just to undertake an act of kindness and to record this in their homework, in their kindness diary, in their deal in Kinaltish, and their parents sign it as they would their regular homework. And do you suggest to them what, what type of acts of kindness you're asking them to do? Yes, yeah, so it's, it's slightly structured in the fact that on Monday they're asked to communicate with an elderly person. So that might be just popping in to visit an elderly neighbour or maybe picking up the phone and ringing granny or granddad or maybe sending a Christmas card to an elderly person that they wouldn't normally send a Christmas card to. And on Tuesdays then they're asked to help out at home so to make parents' lives hey. easier, so that might be just maybe emptying the dishwasher or making the beds or helping with the dinner or whatever they yeah. think would make life easier for mum and dad at home. Okay. And then on Wednesday, it's totally off to themselves. Wednesday is the random act of kindness that they have to take it upon themselves to, to do something for somebody that they think would make the world better for them. And then um, on Thursday, I suppose, in this day of mental health issues and all that and how important it is to to have a positive image about yourself, we're asking them to do something that they love doing themselves and that makes them feel good about themselves. So that might be just listening to music or playing music or maybe doing some drawing or whatever that makes them feel good about themselves. That's terrific. And no homework on the weekend, obviously. No homework on the weekend, yeah. but our, our hope is that the kindness will continue <laughs> ah, over sure the weekend. Sure. And is there great discussion then the next day as to what people got up to? Oh, yeah, it's lovely. And it's lovely to hear them. You know, we have people who baked for, for elderly relatives and actually called into them and oh. they got to chat them that they wouldn't have chatted them before that and so it's lovely it's, it's, it's bringing a whole new dimension to it And now did you have to get the parents involved in this when you kicked it all off or did you just do well, it you yourself? Know, we're, we're, this is our third initiative like this and we've been very lucky the parents have completely embraced it and have completely come on board and um, they're delighted with it as well I mean the feedback from other years was that it gave them lovely family time together and gave them a chance to do things to children that they normally wouldn't have a chance to do. 
And the children obviously love getting involved and love the idea of no homework. Yeah, they do. Well, it's not that they don't have homework, it's that they have homework of a different kind. Oh, so absolutely, they, absolutely. They yeah. And the schoolwork doesn't suffer by not having the... No, 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 no. no not, it's only in the month of December and then we have it again in the month of June. The month of June is a health initiative that we ask them to spend time outdoors, what they would normally spend on their homework that they spend it outdoors getting fresh air and being active. Brilliant. And we hear too often the children are not getting out and about, yeah. so it's, it's yeah. a great initiative. And then you have a kindness bucket. Yeah, so the kindness bucket is the little bucket that's inside the reception area of the school and beside it there's a little basket of paper and a pen. And every day when they experience kindness from another child in the school or from a teacher, um, they're asked just to go and document that on a little bit of paper and pop it into the bucket. And then on Friday at our Tanol, our assembly on Friday, a few of those are read out at random. So I'll give you an example. There was one there yesterday that a child put in that um, somebody else had helped him tie his shoelaces in the yard when he couldn't do it, and that made him feel good about himself. Oh, isn't that the sweetest (laughs) thing? Yeah, and another child wrote as well that somebody smiled kindly at her and it made her feel warm inside. Oh, you're raising a great bunch of kids. I, yeah, I, 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 I don't know what, what the message we're trying to give them and it's just such a simple message that kindness costs nothing and yeah. sometimes it's the smallest of gestures that means the most. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you've got the Class Kindness Act as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, the Class Kindness Act is they were asked collectively to come together as a class and see as a group how they could help the community. So I suppose they brainstormed together and they came up with these ideas themselves. There's one class who are going to make Christmas cards and then send them up to Simon to give to the homeless. There's another class who are going to bake um, animal cookies to give to the local animal rescue um, shelter so that the animals will feel loved, those who don't have home, that they will feel loved coming up to Christmas. And another class then going to visit um, the nursing home. And another class have decided that they, this is so simple and it's so beautiful, that each child is going to play with a different child in the cla- in the yard every day so that every child will feel that they have Included. friends that they're loved. Oh. A child that they don't yeah, normally play with. Eda, you must be very proud of those children. So proud. And you know what? It's, they have, it's completely child-led. Like, we have a huge emphasis in the school generally on being kind and respecting others and embracing others. But they have just taken it to a whole new level and they are fantastic. And when you let children, when you let their imagination run wild. You yeah, know, that's and I mean, they, they come up with it. We're astounded by their ideas, you know. And um, the parents as well, the parents have just really embraced it as well. And they they come back with such positive feedback as well, which is great. And the message is all about the true meaning of Christmas. It's the spirit of kindness and, and giving to others. Exactly. And I mean, there is nobody that won't benefit from uh, 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 receiving some act of kindness and there's nobody that won't benefit from giving it as well because you know when yourself when you do something good you feel good about it you do absolutely absolutely well I really hope that more uh, schools pick up on what you're doing because I think it's fantastic I I really do listen a happy Christmas to each and every and thanks for taking our call God bless who is the Vice Principal of the Grail School in Clonakilty isn't that fantastic for the month of December the pupils undertaking acts of kindness in lieu of uh, homework and I'm sure if you put that to so many children they'd love as it is homework but it's just homework of a different kind but rather than sitting down and writing or to learn the spellings or their tables or whatever they have to do instead of that they're going out and doing an act of kindness it is terrific as I say I really do I would love really would love if we could get other schools to follow suit it would be terrific 1850 uh, John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 
Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend. The weekend. By turning up the feel good. C103's Feel Good Friday brings you six hours of Feel Good Greatest Hits. Join Nick Richards from 1 and Martina O'Donoghue from 4 as we get you weekend ready. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW. Ready. Tur- 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 turning up the feel good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from 1. Feel Good Friday, only on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Lilida Mallow was on to say on Saturday she was out in Mallow Town looking for Santa's letterbox. She said it was normally outside the town hall and then it moved to the church last year uh, but she couldn't find it at either the town hall or the church on last Saturday and so she wants to know where is Santa's post box gone in Mallow I don't know the post box so I don't really know what Lillian is talking about but I'm taking I take it anybody who's got smallies who's supposed to let her into it's nothing to do with on post is it because uh, I know on post are very good about trying to get letters out to children who take the time to write to Santa Claus but anyway if anybody can tell us the a Santa box letter box 
that was at one stage of the town hall, then it moved outside the church and it's gone, it's no, I won't say it's gone missing. It just, it hasn't appeared this year. Does anybody know anything about it? If so, let us know. 1850-333-103. Now, tomorrow at 12 noon, a march will take place from Daunt Square in the city to protest at what is seen as the lack of action by the government in relation to our housing crisis. Joining me from the group Right to Housing, who are organising the march, is Evie Nevin, who is a disability rights activist who is going to be one of the speakers at the event. Uh, good morning to you, or good afternoon to you, Evie, as it is at this stage. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Now, um, we will speak about your own circumstances in a minute and what you're hoping to highlight tomorrow, but um, just outline what, who's got, who else is going to be speaking at this event tomorrow. There's a number of speakers. There are, we have a, a couple of people who are actually homeless themselves, uh, we have a member of the Connolly Youth Movement speaking um, some performances as well by artists, um, you know, doing spoken word. And um, so it's and it's a very, very inclusive uh, event um, and everybody is welcome and family friendly. Everybody's welcome. Do you believe public marches like this can and do make a difference? I do. I do. I think, you know, visibility is, is incredibly important, um, you know, because a lot of the time, you know, out of sight, out of mind for people. So, um, and we've seen uh, how great, you know, the, the climate um, marches, um, you know, they bring attention and they bring the conversation to the forefront. So, yeah, no, I think they really do make a difference. And hopefully if we have large numbers, um, you know, that uh, the government will realise that we're at breaking point and people aren't going to stand for it anymore. Well, well we know that the Minister for Housing... Uh he uh, was, there was a confidence vote in him last night that the government nar- narrowly mar- managed uh, to save that vote. But the figures are out on homelessness. We've hit a record high uh, of people in emergency accommodation, 10,514 people. That's a staggering figure, isn't it, Evie? It's huge. I mean, that's 117 more people um, than in September that have presented as homeless. And it's interesting because those figures usually come out at the end of the month and Fina Gael didn't release them until a couple of hours before that vote last night. Uh, you know, because, because and we knew when we when it was late that we knew that uh, it either hadn't changed or it had increased and lo and behold, we were right. Um, so, no, it's staggering and, and he can, it, he sounds like he's in complete denial. Uh, you know, saying that uh, their their policy is working, but clearly it's not. When we've got 117 more people, um, you know, it's usually an average of 100 people a month now for the last few months. Um, you know, so it's 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 not working. Yeah, and uh, you know, I know they can't build, they can't magically produce houses o- o- overnight. Uh, I was looking at the CSO figures. They say that more than nine thousand homes were completed in the first half of this year and that's actually up by 17% on last year. I mean, do you see that as a step in the right direction? Well, like, building homes is one thing but we also need to be, and they need to be looking at how to keep people in the homes that they're already in. Um, you know, that they, I know that there's been a, a number of parties including the Social Democrats who put forward um, proposals for rent freezes for example and um, the government have said no time and time again and even one of their own uh, candidates in the by-elections was calling for a for a rent freeze. Um, so there are plenty of things they can be doing um, and the fact that they're saying oh you know we've housed how many 
thousands of people. Yeah, you put them in private accommodation and paying half. That's not. Housing, yeah, yeah, and then, ah, and then people living in fear that they're going to lose the roof over over their people head. Are I mean, so scared when it comes to renewing their contracts. People are so scared to even get onto their landlord to ask them to fix anything, just in case um, the landlord, you know, decides to to evict. Now you're going to talk tomorrow, Evie, about the difficulties facing people with uh, disabilities. Yeah. Just tell us about your own situation and what are your own living conditions at the moment? So um, I am in a two-storey house here in Clonakilty um, that we've been here for the last 10 years on the HAP scheme and uh, the housing assistance payment. Um, then three years ago, I was um, sent, basically recommended, my consultants recommended that uh, I be moved into ground floor accommodation um, because I have difficulty with my mobility because of the condition I have. So uh, a number of consultants wrote letters into Cork County Council asking them to house us in a, in a ground floor um, accommodation. Um, and the reason why it needs to be ground floor as well is because my children have also inherited the condition. So um, Elos you know, da- Danos, isn't it? Ehlers Danos. Ehlers Danos, yeah. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Which, which uh, are you permanently in a wheelchair? No, I'm an ambulatory wheelchair user, so um, I don't have to use it all the time. Sure, I couldn't even use a wheelchair in the house if I wanted to do it, so it's so narrow anyway. Um, but the danger but, is if you ended up full-time needing the wheelchair, your house is completely... Of yeah, no, yeah, it's just uh, not working exactly. for you. The stair, yeah, the stairs are... You know, there are days where my legs are shaking like mad. Um, my nerves are shot. The kids have had so many falls up and down the stairs as well. Um, you know, so... It's it's incredibly disappointing that three years on after our consultants have um, put in these letters that nothing um, has been done about it. Have you been but offered I mean, anything? No, not at all. Um, now, in fairness to Councillor Paul Hayes of Sinn Féin down here in West Cork, he's been working on our case um, for us and um, he's working hard to, to try and get something um you know, even if it's compul- if it's purchasing, um, which they they can do as well for for people in my situation. Um, and have you looked in the private sector yourself, or are you simply afraid yeah. to move? Move? No, like we've we've anytime there's like bungalows up for rent, we go and look at them, and then the minute we mention HAP, uh, you God, know, how, how often have we heard that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, I mean, my story isn't. Uh, rare at all. There are so many people in my situation and we've, we see it all the time. Young people people being put into nursing homes because their accommodation isn't suitable. Uh, we actually have no accessible emergency housing or um, accessible women's shelters um, and we know that people with disabilities are twice as likely to be abused so if they have a domestic violence situation they have nowhere to go. Yeah, so we don't um, have emergency accommodation for domestic violence per, per, in a wheelchair. Or with, the, with any kind of a disability. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and I get, I mean, I'm inundated. I'm inundated. Like, I ran for the locals in, in May, um, and I'm still getting people onto me all the time looking for help in regards to housing. Um, and unfortunately, as an unelected rep, there's very little I can do bar support them and have them write letters well, and con- get reports. Considering you're in your, 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 you can't get housing for yourself that you need, it's. 
it kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Stay there because I want to bring on um, Karen Doyle, who is one of the organisers of uh, tomorrow's protest. Uh, good afternoon to you, Karen. Hi, and I'm, I'm I'm very well, and, and I know you were on hold. You were poss- possibly listening to to Evie telling her, her telling her story. Um, the protest tomorrow. What what do you hope it would achieve, Karen? Well, I hope that first of all that it achieves, um, I suppose, visibility, perhaps. An awful lot of people, and like Evie, I also um, went forward for the locals um, last May, and it was as a result of that, really, knocking on doors, listening to people's concerns. And the desperate situation, and I really mean desperate situation that people were in, um, that we put together um, in Cove, I put together a public meeting on housing, and I got the wonderful Father Peter McFerry along and Katrina Toomey from Penny Dinners, and it was supported by my union, Unite. Um, so we, we put this public meeting together, and it was a full house. So that, that kind of set it all to me anyway, right? There was that kind of need um, for people to come along. And... Out of that then, we reached out to other activists and um, homeless women, two of the women I will speak tomorrow, they got in contact with us to get on board. And we've had a number of protests at County Hall, City Hall and Patrick's Bridge around Halloween time. And that's one of the main things that these people want. It's drop the shame, drop the isolation and become visible. Um because of fear, because of what Evie um, rightly spoke about, about not wanting to rock the boat if you're a hat tenant. Yeah. Um, you know, if you are a mortgage holder, say, uh, for example, and you're, the bank has, uh, you know, uh, the vulture firm taking over your mortgage. I mean, there's an awful lot of fear uh, that people have. And I think that by uniting people together through the different strands and the different circumstances they find themselves in, it really is empowering to do that. Um, I was very much involved in the Right to Water campaign and we found a similar thing happening, you know, in our community. Well, we, we know what happened thanks to water. People yeah. are protesting against the water. Exactly, right. So There is, so there is power in people power. There, there really, really is. And especially when it's for, I suppose when you're fighting for something that should be a human right, first of all, which housing should be. But secondly, when you are doing something that's just, Right. Um, we cannot stand by and allow children in particular um, to be born into homelessness. Um, we know that the stories, we've all read them, the horror stories that babies um, aren't chewing properly. Yeah, because we, we, did, we covered it last week on the programme. They're not learning exactly, to crawl. Right? They're not they're, walking they're, properly. And we have the, the latest so. figure. 3,826 children are in homeless uh, accommodation and that's what they'll be for Christmas. 3,826 children will have, many of those will, will be waiting for Santa Claus and Santa will be going to a hotel room this year. It's dreadful, isn't it's it? Just I mean, awful. It's just awful. So tomorrow, um, are you looking for anyone to come along and support or just to take a everyone. listen to it? Uh, absolutely. We are, as Eva said, we are an inclusive, now we're anti-racist. We believe Great. that people in direct provision have as much right to housing as anybody else. We're inviting them, we're reaching out the hand of solidarity to all people um, here uh, you know, to, to unite together to build a really inclusive, family-friendly, um, positive campaign around housing and to become the real opposition um, in this country because, quite frankly, we just don't have one. We saw that last night. OK, and, and it's in Dawn, you're meeting in Dawn Square. And we're meeting in Dawn Square at 12 noon tomorrow 
and all welcome. Okay. All right. Listen, we leave it there. Thank you for that, uh, ladies, uh, Karen and Evie. And thank you both for joining us on the programme. Thank you. Uh, good thank afternoon, you. Chip. Bye bye. That is uh, Karen Doyle, one of the organisers of that protest tomorrow uh, on the housing crisis. And uh, Evie Nevin, who is a disability rights activist and who will be one of the speakers at that march tomorrow. Santa's letterbox that somebody contacted us about, Lillian in Mallow, is outside the town hall in Mallow. It's on the footpath. But if you're coming down from the town, I've been told it's hard to see because of the railing coming down from the town hall. But it is. It's there. It's outside the town hall for any of the little ones in Mallow who want to post their Santa letter. The post box is there. A couple of things to mention before I go. The final cafe, Dementia Cafe meeting for 2019 in the Daily Grind in Kenturk. It happens this afternoon between three and half past four. Kevin uh, Quaid writes to tell me that the Dementia Advisor will be there as well as Sarah from Bluebird Cafe who will be giving out uh, goodie bags and he tells me he's got lots planned for the new year including a no- launching a new book. That's the wonderful Kevin Quaid who's been so honest about living with dementia. So that's their final Dementia Cafe Daily Grind in Canturk and that is this afternoon between three and half past four and remembering Edward Bransfield is on in Middleton Library tonight at seven Edward Bransfield is the forgotten Irish Arctic explorer and uh, local historian Liam O'Reardham We'll be giving an illustrated talk on the life and achievements of the leader of the first expedition to sea and to charge the Arctic mainland back in 1820. And that is happening tonight at seven o'clock. Free event in the Middleton Library on Main Street in Middleton. And you can find out more about remembering Edward Bransfield by going to uh, rememberingedwardbransfield.ie. And the Christmas lights in Kilmurray are going to be switched on this Friday. They're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the lights in Kilmurray. So it's going to be a bigger deal than usual. There'll be face painting, there'll be music, children's arts competition and Santa will be there as well. And that's happening in Kilmurray on this coming Friday night's official switching on at 7pm. Okay, that's where I've got to leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. He'll be ringing the bells again at two o'clock for the C103 Christmas covered. Make sure you're counting the bells Add it to the bells that were ringing this morning with Simon and then again with Martine at five and then you text our WhatsApp uh, 0862 103 103. I'll leave you there. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock and to the Nine Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow. A Cork Christmas celebration. Festive food and fun. The Ferris wheel and so much more on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow. Open every weekend until Christmas. C103's Christmas Covered. We're giving away shopping ventures worth a total of 5,000 euro. Listen at 9, 2 and 5. Count the bells to win a 500 euro one for all voucher. Then text or WhatsApp the total amount for your chance to win. C103's Christmas Covered. With Dennis and Mary Ryan Bishopstown where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived. See ryans.ie. Only on C103. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. 
Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. <laughs> 